Welcome one and all to the Track One Side One podcast. I'm your host Gaz Jones and this week's guest is the head honcho at Our Real Records and DIY gig promoting legend Ian Perry. Ian's picked some great tunes to discuss and we deep dive in on 90s indie bangers, gnarly alternative hip-hop, wrestling themes and so much more. So please enjoy and as ever I'll speak to you at the end. Cheers. I feel kind of basic today. Top five side ones, track ones. You are listening to the Track One Side One podcast with me, your host, Gaz Jones. The greatest. Each week, a guest picks their five favorite album opening tracks, and we dissect, discuss, and debate each one. So let's put on our classics and have a little chat then, shall we? And we are live. Joining me this week uh, on the podcast, staring at me through my laptop screen via the medium of Skype and that there interweb ting is Numero Uno Honcho of Our Real Records, a.k.a. MC iPod, a.k.a. Well, no, he's just Ian Perry these days. How are you, mate? I am very well, man. Thank you for having me on uh, on the old podcast. Excited to have been asked. Before we crack on with your list, mate, uh, I was wondering how hard was it getting it down to just five choices? It could have been hard. I kind of tried to not overthink it. So I sort of tried to just go with the first five that I thought of. So I figured if I'm thinking of these, then they probably mean something to me. So because I knew I know what I'm like. I knew if I really put the effort into it, and the, well, not the effort, but the thought into it, I'd still be here like two months after you ask me, just still umming and ahhing, going, "I'll give you my list, right? Just leave me alone." <laughs> without, without further ado, mate, track number one, and that is "Serious" by the Alan Parsons Project off the 1982 album "Eye in the Sky." Probably because Chicago Bulls use it, but it's kind of the iconic walk-on music. And the way the reason I first heard it wasn't actually the Bulls; it was. Uh, the wrestler Ricky the Dragon Steamboat used it as his entrance music in the 80s. <laughs> and, uh, so I'd, I'd heard that. I hadn't realised it was now a Parsons Project song. It was just in my mind. And then there was a Puff Daddy song that sampled it. There you go, you see. So I was thinking, oh, that's, that's really niche that P. Diddy sampled uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's entrance music. <laughs> and then I looked it up and I was like, oh shit, it's a real song. And it's by the Alan Parsons Project. Awesome. I think the first time I heard it was when it was using Space Jam. Nice, nice. Would you class it as prog? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, I wouldn't really know. Is, is prog a dirty word in your vocabulary? No, man. Like, you know, if, if it's good, it's good. Like, you know, I'm not one of those people that would just go, prog? Ugh, isn't that just, like, old men doing this? But, you know, if it sounds good, man, it sounds good. Like, you know, people call Rush a prog band. And, I'm, you know, if you try and say Rush are awful, then I'm probably going to stab you. It, it's very hard to pick or even think of uh, another opening to an album. That is that fucking awesome. Sadly, like it doesn't matter like what you're using it for. Yeah, you, know, you listen yeah. to the album, a wrestler using it, the Bulls using it, mm-hmm. us using it as walk-on music at a gig. Yeah. It just something about just the way it starts. Yeah. It kind of it makes you kind of go, wait, something epic is happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels epic. Like it feels it does. It does. almost like something out of a movie score. Yeah. And the way it segues into the second track yeah. is so fucking beautiful. It's it's legit. It's not you know mm. it's a legit intro, yeah. but it's also incredibly enjoyable in its own right. Mm. I mean, it's only say what two two and a half minutes long. Yeah, and it could I'd more I'd be more than happy if the 
that was like the song for rolling over for 20 minutes. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard any other Alan Parsons project stuff. And to be honest, I don't really want to. It won't be as good. It won't be as good. And I don't think I need to because it will not be as good as this album. I bought this album uh, on vinyl earlier this year. I found it. It was, you know, having a little thumb through, a little crate dig. And then I, I saw it there, mint copy, four quid. It's phenomenal, down to down to the artwork, the production. is It's so dry and so early 80s. Yeah. It's, it's almost like when the drums kick in, it's almost like a disco beat. Yeah. But, it's, but when the drums kick in, that's the reaction. It's just like, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's big and it's bold and it's epic and it's... Mm. You know, and I said I, I said it earlier, but I do mean it is it is my favourite intro track of all time. I probably should have finished with it instead of started with it because it's all downhill from here now. What are the characteristics that that make a great opening track? What do you look for? I think it it has to build. Like it's it's probably very rare that I'm going to want to start with something. I put something on and straight away be in the mood for something that's very in your face. I've got like I've got a really short attention span. I've probably got ADHD and it's just never been diagnosed, but like I've got a really short attention span. So I want something to go from nothing to something, not like super quickly, but also, you know, not super slowly. So a couple of minute intro song, which builds nicely and then comes in. And, you know, to me, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want. Sometimes. Yeah. As you know, another, you know, some of my choices are a bit more straight off, bam, hit you with it. Track two, mate, where are we going? For this one, we are going with Buffalo Tom. The album is Sleepy Eyed, the song is Tangerine, and the year is 1995. So this was a really weird one for me. Like The way I discovered Buffalo Tom, it's, it sounds really bizarre saying it out loud, but there was a computer magazine when I was a kid years ago, and for whatever reason, with one of the issues, there was like they put a bunch of songs on the cover disc as well as... This is like before even MP3 was like really a thing. Okay. They put some songs on the cover disc as well as all the demos and stuff you got. And one of those songs was Kitchen Door by Buffalo Tom. This is really good. Well, I've never heard of this band. I've never really heard much sort of US college rock. So it was, sounded really fresh. And I thought, okay, I, I, need to, I need to listen to a bit more of this. And I, so I you know, got the album. And then that first track, Straight Away Tangerine, confirmed to me. I was like, yeah, I made the right choice. Like, this wasn't going to be one of those albums where you know, there's that one song you love and you kind of let it gather dust. I was like... Straight away, yeah, I made the right, right fucking choice going out and making sure I got the album and then, you know, sort out more of their stuff as well. But Is this your favourite Buffalo Tom album? Of course. Mm. Possibly my favourite album of all time, like start to finish. Mm. Possibly because I just listened to it so much as a kid because, you know, I was mm. broke so I couldn't go out and buy, buy loads of stuff. So it's, yeah. it's the thing which uh, I'm going to sound really like, everything was better back in my day. <laughs> um, when I was a kid and I was broke and CDs were 16 quid, I appreciated them a whole lot more because you know i was broke and they were 16 quid a pop so like if i bought a cd i was going to i was wasn't just going to dismiss it unless it was mm. truly truly awful like the republic album i wasn't going to give up <laughs> on after one listen so yeah i listened to you know like like many albums i bought when i was a kid i listened to them a lot more than things i listen to now probably because mm. because it wasn't you know you couldn't just go out and buy loads of cds for cheap from v mm. you know you couldn't just listen to stuff on Spotify, find stuff on YouTube. So this Buffalo Tom album got a lot of play because it was so good mm. because like it really just got me and like, I got it and I just loved it. I listened to it all the fucking time mm. and it's still to this day, like, you know, I'm 37 now and this album came out in 95. Like I still fucking love it. Yeah. And when I started buying vinyl again, it was one of the first things I went and hunted down. It was a copy of Sleepy Eyed on vinyl because it's mm. fucking best album ever. 
it's it's just it's rollicking. It's the most rollicking I think Buffalo Tom ever got by fucking far. Uh, it's like you know Dinosaur Junior vibes in it and pure like Beatles pop. I don't think Buffalo Tom did. You know they never came close catching this kind of lightning in a bottle again. Other albums of theirs are good, but they're not sleepy eyed. <laughs> no, they're not. I mean, Let Me Come so, Over is great. Obviously, yeah, yeah, the stuff that came before it was great, but it seemed like this was like the peak. Yeah. Um, did you ever see Buffalo Tom live? I haven't. I've never seen them. They're one of the few bands left on my list that I need to see. They split not long after Sleepy Eyed came out, I think. Um, yeah. Obviously, they've reformed. They've done two albums, I think, since they did Reformation. Yeah, yeah, pretty, which which pretty are good, good, you know. Yeah, they're they not, are good. They're great. But they're not, they're they're not, not world-beating best album of all time, but they're no. still better than modern contemporaries. No, very true. It's the importance of the opening track of an album as we yeah. first knew it when we were starting to obsess over music when we were younger. Do you think that importance is something that's been lost in a digital age? I think it is. Like in a way, it's more about. I think it's more about what the lead single is. I mean, obviously that is important because everything's digital these days. Especially like you know, we're not listening to stuff on kids aren't listening to stuff on record or cassette, so you can just jump straight to where you want. Like even with a CD, it's just easier to put it in and let it play through, but. When you're staring at an album on Spotify, it's just as easy to click on track seven, say, than it is on track one. So you can just go straight to whichever track you want. And, not, and you know, what, what is designated track one isn't necessarily what people are going to hear first because we're old and everything was better when we were younger. <laughs> we're all singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah, yeah I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, so I don't, I don't think it is as important as it was when, as I said, I'm 37. So like, you know, when I was, you know, 20 plus years ago, and it, that it was important because, yeah, you'd hear the, the single or whatever, but you'd get home and it would be, you'd put the whole album on and that first track had to be good because that was, that set you up for, you know, put, change, set your mind up for how you're going to listen to the whole album. If track one's bad, you go into the album with a kind of like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have bought this kind of mentality, you know, like the Republica album. Republica are getting a lot of mileage out of this podcast. Track number three. Right, so I'm going to keep with the uh, chronological order. Hmm. And we are at Grandaddy with the album Software Slump from 2000, which uh, this is is another one where I'd heard the single, the big single, The Crystal Lake, which is track four on this album. Hmm. And that clocks in at four minutes and five seconds, according to Discogs. And the opening track on this album is called He's Simple, He's Dumb, He's the Pilot. And it clocks in at shade under nine minutes. And... As a man who confesses to having no attention span, yeah. somehow this was so good that I didn't even notice it was nine minutes long of just Trout One. And then it goes into Hewlett's Daughter, which is a lot popular. Yeah, but yeah, any any album that I can buy because I heard one fairly poppy single and can start with a nine-minute prog opener and still keep my attention must be fucking good. This album is unbelievable. I, I like, I think, a lot of people... I remember Mark and Lars plugging The, uh, the Crystal Lake to death on Radio yeah. 1. Like it was on, you know, it was A-listed that song. And I thought I was mad yeah. at the time, you know, in 2000 when all Radio 1 were playing was like pop yeah. and new metal obviously was massive then. Through the uh, the, ashes, the ashes and fog came this gorgeous little slacker indie pop yeah. banger. And I was like, this is, this is incredible. Again, what we were talking about earlier about taking punts on albums. I took a punt yeah. on Software, Software Slam. All I'd heard was Crystal Lake. Yeah, same. And then somehow, yeah, that epic opener. It's like a three-part symphony almost. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably why, like, how it managed to work for me because it 
did almost feel like three different movements. Mm-hmm. Presumably, he's simple, he's dumb, and he's the pilot as mm. the three separate movements. But but yeah, then you kind of look at it and think, wait, that was nine minutes. Yeah. They opened an album with a nine-minute song. Yeah. Good Crazy. for them. Yeah, especially, you know, a, ba- a band like that, slacker, indie, college... Something. Something. There's definitely a lo-fi and a pop in there somewhere. Yeah, lo-fi, pop. For, for a band like... From that ilk, opening an album with a song like this and it made me i i went off i fell in love with the album straight away i then proceeded yeah. to buy the album before it did you know uh, apparently jason lee cited this song as an inspiration to name his child pilot inspector jason lee from morads that's the one <laughs> pre-scientology jason lee is he, is he still far as a I scientologist know. Oh, far as I, know. I know right I'd, I'd just like to live with the memory of chasing Amy and the fact he was in the 100% video by Sonic Youth. Do you still enjoy listening to an album from start to finish? I do. Like, I think a lot of the time, though, I listen to stuff when I'm commuting to work. So I get to mm. I listen to like three quarters of an album and then I'll like, oh, I'll listen to the rest after work and then I'm in the mood for something different or I put a podcast on or whatever. So it- I kind of listen to a lot of first two thirds, first three quarters of an album. But I do put it on at the beginning and let it run. Is the flow of the 10 tracks like something that you treasure? It's not going to be an album that I go back to as an album if it just mm. sounds like a song, then a song, then a song. Mm. You know, mm. there needs to be there needs to be a flow to it. It needs to flow mm. through it or else it could just be someone's playlist. It's like, I, mm. I'm the guy who, as I'm sure you were as well, you know, we are the loser at High Fidelity. Like, we're the guy that spent all that time making a mixtape to make sure that it flowed because you can't just put song after song. There's a, there's an art and a science to this. Yeah. And once on, uh, on my record label, Our Real Records, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I'd released a compilation a while back and a friend of mine messaged me to say that he really loved the order of the songs. And I was like, thank you. Like, I put so much effort into that. I'm really glad, like, even one person appreciated it enough to message me yeah. and go, I really like how you sequenced it. Cause to me, that is super duper important. Like, you know, you mm. need to, you know, you need to have your emotional peaks and troughs. You need to start slow, then get up, then down again, then back up mm. again. Track four, mate. Right. So this is a uh, written in 2010s now, although just is 2010 when this album came out and the album is fallen house, sunken city. The artist is B Dolan and the track is leaving New York. So this, for those that don't know, is a slice of awesome alternative hip-hop from Strange Famous Records, home of, well, the record label owned by Sage Francis. Hmm. And B. Dolan is basically, I don't want to say he looks like Sage Francis and sounds like Sage Francis, but if I hadn't seen them in the same room together, I'd be convinced it was just Sage Francis and a different (laughs) persona. You know, I'd heard of this guy, B. Dolan. I think I might have heard one song, maybe. And uh, Fallen House Sunken City was the album that was out at the time. So like we were saying earlier, you know, I've got the album. You think, okay, I'm going to buy this. I've heard whatever I've heard from it. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to put it on. And that first track, in this case, Leaving New York, was just really opposite to what I said earlier. It's quite abrasive, but it really managed to make me go, whoa, okay, this is this is good. This is this has got my attention straight away. This is something I want to listen to. And then listen to the whole thing through. Absolutely loved it. Could have easily been say francis album i think i mean i'm assuming i probably heard b dolan because i was in say francis and i'd heard that if you like say francis listen to b dolan and uh, yeah this could have very easily been a say francis album and i loved it start to finish but leaving new york just oh i went i've seen b dolan live as well when he does it live it's so good and it's yeah it's such a great sort of it slaps you around the face and it's like right listen and you're like okay sir whatever you say sir please sir may i have another 
When did hip hop first become uh, an intrinsic part of your life? Primary school. I don't know how, but I knew. I remember I was into stuff like that in primary school. Me used to like bootleg tapes for each other and stuff. So uh, here's a story, which I'm, I'm not just saying. I wasn't one of the kids that did this. It was people I. Knew. It was people I knew though. So uh, Jay's Records, which used to be an awesome, used to be called Jay's Records and Tapes, yeah. and that uh, was a great independent record store in Cambridge in the nineties. Uh, probably opened way before that but i knew it in the 90s yeah. and they used to have all the hip-hop tapes they'd have the tapes behind the counter and the just the empty cases with the sleeves were in when the rack so you could browse and i knew so many people who used to just steal those sleeves for their copy tapes that jay's had start putting photocopies of the sleeves was it because of that yeah well oh my and, god because i remember when they changed over to the yeah, photocopied ones like, i was I like what the fuck people. And we're like, yeah, I just hit sleeves. And it's like, oh, sake. So, yeah, and then, again, I, I, I didn't do that. I used to just get a bit of paper and fold it and just get like a sharp, well, not sharpie, but some knockoff off-brand marker and just kind of write what the album was, like Cypress Hill, Black Sunday. But this That's is the kind of stuff that, like, if I, my parents didn't know I was listening to it because if they ever heard anything, they were like, what the fuck is this? It's like, what? You just said bitch and the N-word and the F-word. And like, what? It's, it's just music, mum. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh, it was stuff like Cypress Hill, and probably the first Cypress Hill and Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style, like Black Sunday and Doggy Style, the first two hip hop albums that I fell in love with. And uh, slight again, going off on a tangent because that's that's my thing. Uh, a few years ago, probably I don't know, maybe ten years ago now, uh, Claire, my partner, and I were in London to see Gym Class Heroes, and oh, uh, got nice. to London. Claire was still working in the office, was still working in an office at the time, so I'd gone down to London early. Uh, she was going to come down and meet me. I got a text from C-Ticket saying, due to illness, tonight's concert is cancelled. And I was like, oh, shit. So I text Claire, and I'm like, oh, gig's cancelled because, you know, band's sick. What do you want to do? I'm already in London. And she's like, you know, I might just come down London anyway. Well, you know, we'll do something. Walking through the tube, see a giant poster for Snoop Dogg at the O2. And I'm like, wait, that's today's date. So I text Claire. I'm like, Snoop Dogg's playing the O2 tonight if there's still tickets available. And like a few minutes later, I get a text back from her going, you owe me 40 quid, I'll meet you at this time at King's Cross. <laughs> and even though it was like 20 years after Doggy Style came out, he played for a tight hour, mostly just played stuff off Doggy Style. So he knows the score. Like, yeah. Snoop, Snoop knows the score. And it was mostly just stuff off Doggy Style. And pe- no one complained. No one was like, oh, I wanted to hear all those new stuff because... He's got like twenty odd albums, but Doggy Style's still the best one. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I just, I just want to hear what's my name, Gin yep. and Juice. Yep. Just all the bangers. I'm not interested in, in you know. I mean, how how do you feel about the whole kind of bands kind of reforming, uh, or even you know established bands that are going out and doing tours of album, mm-hmm. you know, and album anniversaries, playing that album start to finish, you know, be that like you know, Scream a Delica, do little whatever. Yeah. You know, I hated it until it started being bands I liked. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit I, I sold out on this one I really wanted to be against it when it was banned from before my time and I didn't care yeah. I'd happily be like oh, it's just a bullshit cash in I hate when bands do this but then when it was bands I liked started reforming and started doing album tours and playing albums in full I was like actually I kind of do want to partake of this and I kind of realised that fuck it I get it I'm, and I think it's just an age thing as well. Like, like when you're young, you love stuff that's new and exciting and you promise you're never going to be the old guy that just wants everything to be how it was. And then you get to your mid to late thirties and all of a sudden all you want are reboots, uh, remasters of albums, bands doing album tours, you know, the, the new sequel 30 years later. And I, I've become that guy. Like, like we were saying before we started recording, 
in the past year, I've watched all 210 episodes of Heartbreak High ahead of the reboot next year. Like, and I, I need to get hold of the Save by the Bell reboot so I can watch that. And like this, you know, sod it, like Space Jam 2, Bill and Ted 3, whatever. Fuck it, I'm old. I want to be reminded of my past. Should we talk about Pete Dolan again? <laughs> yeah, uh, the whole of uh, Fallen House Sunken City, the whole of the album's produced by Alias, which okay. if you're into your, your hip-hop tings, you'll be familiar with Alias, who was a really, really good uh, good producer, had a few instrumental albums and did a bunch of uh, vocal stuff for other people as well. And he passed away a few years ago, so it kind of has that. Well, he passed away in 2018, only at 41, which is a fucking bummer. But it kind of gives it that, like, tinge of sadness listening to it but yeah it was that mix of his awesome like electronic hip-hop production and b dolan's look at me i'm so francis but i'm not vocals and (laughs) yeah like it because i think at the similar sort of time i think sage francis had had an album out that didn't really do it for me so i was kind of a bit like oh you know i mean this is this is good but it's not it's not a healthy distrust which is still my favorite album of his and human death dance wasn't that great either compared to uh, healthy distrust or personal journals. So I was a bit kind of like, oh, I'm losing faith. And then B. Dolan comes out with Fallen House, Sunken City, and straight away from the first album, I'm like, yeah, this is what the Sage Francis album should be. And then I did, you know, I did grow to love life by Sage Francis. Like, it did grow on me, but it wasn't an instant banger. And this definitely filled that hole I was feeling when I felt a bit a bit, like, a bit lost, a bit, oh, it's not, not quite Sage Francis. It wasn't quite what I wanted. I don't know. I need I need some kind of alternative hipster hip hop. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely alternative. There's definite kind of callbacks to like '90s alternative hip hop oh, yeah. and a lot of this stuff, but it's got a much more kind of gnarly, yeah. electronic, brutal kind of yeah. production on it. You know, the squeaks and the squeals and the drums. Yes, it's proper heavy, man. Yeah. I mean, I first became aware of him through. Like Scroobius Pip would always shout his names from the rooftops, and back when you know Dan Lasat versus Scroobius Pip was a thing, and I, I kind of got obsessed with him. Yeah. Um, I was literally just eating up everything he was saying. He was like, you know, listen to this guy, okay? Yeah. Yeah. yeah listen, listen to B. Dolan, okay? Listen to Sage Francis, okay? Yeah. I, I once but, played a show supporting Dan Lasak after Lasak and Pip had gone solo, hmm. and yeah, no one was there. Uh, loads of those tour dates got cancelled because no one bought tickets. It was very Scrooby's Pip did solo shows, rammed venues. Yeah. Dan Lasak, not so much. You know, he was almost like, do you want to see Axl Rose or do you want to see Stephen Adler's band? But yeah, it was like <laughs> going to see Dan Lasak felt like you felt like yeah. that. It was like if it was Axl, he'd be playing to thousands of people. Adler would be playing to forty, and yeah. this is how it felt seeing uh, seeing Dan Lasak solo, like playing with him as well. He was. Yeah, not in a good mood. The whole tour is awful. That's a bit sad, really, because Daniel Sachs a fucking genius. Yeah, you know. But I think that's the problem with with you know the whole. I mean, not that they were a band, but with bands, and it kind of did relate to them that there's the front person, and they're the ones yeah. that the person people that your audience tends to gravitate towards, which is why it's a lot easier for a band to replace a musician than it is to replace the front person. Like it's and it's it's shit because there's some amazing guitarist, bassist, drummers, whatever out there. Mm. But the public's a lot. Uh, the public at large is a lot more forgiving of we have a new guitarist than we have a new singer. It's like, can you imagine? I don't know. Yeah, them replacing Lemmy and Motorhead or something yeah. like that. You know, something that's so intrinsically that's Motorhead, exactly, for example. Yeah. Just before we go into your last track, Matt, I just want to quickly say that obviously we can't play any of the music on the on the podcast due to the glorious copyright police. Um, because, uh, you know, 
in the words of Public Enemy, they will shut me down. Shut me down. Can't we just talk over it really like like abrasively so it doesn't get picked up by any content detection? I have an even better idea than that, than that mate. I'll do a, an accompanying Spotify and YouTube playlist because we suck the corporate cock. Fuck it. <laughs> Without further ado, mate, your right. final song. Where are we going? Again, going to the whole... Uh, the whole concept of I heard something, it sounded good, I checked the album out, and then side one did it for me. Yeah, so this is Desaparecidos with uh, their album Paola, and side one is, sorry, side A, track one, is The Left Is Right. And I, I'd never really paid any attention to Desaparecidos because they're a, they're a Conor Oberst band, and I'm not really, I like a bit of Bright Eyes, but I'm not really... I tried, you, but... Yeah, I'm not... Yeah. You're Connor, kind of you're Connor Robes fan. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not like, oh my god, it's Connor Robes. And usually, if I hear that name, I tend to go, ah, oh, I won't bother unless someone tells yeah. me to, and it's really good. So I think it might have been a YouTube advert or a Spotify advert or a Spotify. You've listened to this now, listen to this. Hmm. So something like a Desperado song could come up off the Paola album, and straight away I was like, no, I know I haven't. Uh, it came up as a recommendation for Claire, and I was kind of in the flat, and I was like. What's this? Well, good. She's like, yeah, it's Desa. We sort of worked out. We think it's Desa Parasidos. That sounds, sounds how you probably pronounce it. So, yeah. Then uh, I was like, okay, this is good. I'm gonna have to listen to the whole album, and I did. And fuck me, it was it good. And I happened to find the uh, deluxe version of the LP on sale at Relevant Records in Cambridge. So I bought that, and then yeah, nice. slapped it on. Whole thing. Mwah. Chef's kiss. <laughs> it's proper urgent, angry. Yeah, it's rock. weird. Yeah. After, after what I was saying earlier about liking things that sort of love, like gently bring you in, I'm mm. thinking a couple that do that, but then probably three out of my five are quite in your face. Mm. But yeah, this just grabbed me straight away, and it's it's so over the top. Be a lefty, and I love it. It's just there's no subtlety with it. Like track one's no. called "The Left Is Right," and it's yeah. about how if you're not left wing, fuck you. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and it really like. I loved it. I like the fact it's almost tongue in cheek with how in your face yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, there's a track called Mara KKK Opa and uh, you know, with obviously KKK and all capitals and just, <laughs> yeah, it's just so in your face and I've not tried to hide it. And I've made it as blatant yeah. as possible. Just saying, Oi, you capitalists, the right wing, fuck you suck. And I love it. And like, I, yeah. don't, know, I don't know how Conor Oberst managed to write something that I love so much given yeah, same. not fussed by what he does. But yeah, this first track slapped me around the face with a nice dose of mm. being a lefty, which, mm. you know, has, I like to think of myself as one as well. It really did it for me. It's also got Laura Jane Grace on a track as well, which is always mm. good. Always Tim good. Cash is on a track. I'm not a massive cursive fan, but I respect Tim Cash. Mm. So yeah, to have him and Laura Jane Grace on tracks, it was just, yeah, it was great. I say it's it's so fucking in your face. It it kind of borders on almost caricature sometimes. Yeah. But that's it's fucking brilliant because I can listen to this. I kind of agree with a lot of the stuff they're preaching about. Yeah. But it's but it's but it just makes me laugh as well. Yeah. It's so it's so over the top and ridiculous. I think that's that's yeah. why I like it. Like it is yeah. it is yeah. ridiculous. Like just yeah. that really big like bam 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 synth part that it starts yeah. with. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. There's, there's no subtlety here at all. It's, no, so it's like being slapped around the face with a picture of Jeremy Corbyn, yeah. <laughs> or as the American uh, Joe Biden. 
No, wait, not the Republic. Bernie, Bernie Sanders. That's what I'm thinking. Of. Yeah, Sanders. Yeah, so I've been slapped around the face with picture with, with those gloves that Bernie Sanders was wearing in that picture. Oh yeah. Little mittens. That's a good way to finish it, mate. I think. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so thank, yeah, you. Again, thank you for having me, man. It's been, it's no, been no. an absolute blast. Nice one, Ian. Always a pleasure and never a chore. Let's have a good old chinwag with you, mate. Cheers. And I hope you all enjoyed it out there. And who knows? Maybe you discovered your new musical obsession. So please take care, yeah? Each and every one of you. Just kiss from me. Adios. I'm feeling kind of basic today. Top five side ones. Track ones. You've been listening to the Track One Side One podcast with me, Gaz Jones. Give us a follow on all the social medias at Track One Side One Podcast to keep fully up to date with all future episodes and guests. Where there will also be links to Spotify playlists that will accompany each show. So please check them out, and I'll see you soon.